Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back to the Scarleteers podcast. Yay! <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Isabel. Today, we have a very special topic. We're going to talk about Mrs. Parker, the wonderful Mrs. Parker on Miss Scarlet and the Duke. And uh, we thought, who better to talk with about Mrs. Parker than the wonderful actress playing her? Welcome Woo-hoo! to the podcast, Helen. Yay! Thank you very much. It's gorgeous to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you for joining us. You're very welcome. Big apologies to everybody in the Scarleteers fan group because I kept insisting that we are talking about Mrs. Parker and not with Mrs. Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Someday they'll catch on, but hopefully not soon. (laughs) Oh, I think a few are catching up with us. Yeah, I'm afraid they are. (laughs) They're a bunch of smart, smart Scarleteers. They've been putting on their Eliza detective hats for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So just to introduce you, Helen, um, you were born in Dublin, so you're Irish, and you have worked extensively on radio and television, and you've also written and directed three short plays for children based on paintings in the National Gallery of Ireland. You wouldn't think that Mrs. Parker is writing short plays for children. (laughs) (laughs) Before the pandemic, you also toured with a two-hander play that you co-wrote and co-performed with um, Irish actor Jonathan White and it's called uh, To Hell in a Handbag um, across the UK and Ireland to sell out performances and your television and film credits include Angela's Ashes, Ella Enchanted, The Borgias and Irish soap opera Fair City. Did I miss anything? No that's lovely thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how did you get into acting? Well, um, I was a very shy child and my parents thought it would be a good idea if they sent me to speech and drama classes. So they did. And little did they know. Um, And so uh, I I really loved it. I I just I thought it was a wonderful form of expression. It really brought me out of out of myself and stuff. I, I didn't think you could, you know, make a living out of it, but I really enjoyed it. And then when I went to college, I was in Dramsock. So I, I'm not a, I didn't go to a, a training kind of, you know, theatrical training um, school or anything like that. But um, when I went to university, I was involved in Dramsock and I just adored it. And after college, a theatre company was formed called Pigsback, which is now called Fishamble in Ireland. And I did my first five shows with them. So I, I sort of accidentally got into it, if you know what I mean, and and I sort of haven't found my way out yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, long may you not. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, was there a specific moment or a specific show or play that you were watching or saw that you said, "Oh, this is exactly what I want to do"? You said it was kind of an accident, but was there a moment that it clicked and you said, "This is for me"? Yeah. Um, well, I suppose when I was in college, we did all sorts of shows and all sorts of plays, and which is the wonderful thing about it. You know, you kind of experience all sorts of things. And um, I was asked to do a production um, of a Sean O'Casey play um, called Shadow of a Gunman. And we were doing it in Derry. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen Derry Girls, but we were doing mm-hmm. it up there. And um, and it was a long drive up, you know, and I just I don't know. On the way up, I just thought to myself, do you know what now? This is this is a bit of crack. Um, I might I might try and do this. 
And if after 10 years, um, nobody's giving me a job, I'll have to get a life and get a proper job. But um, it's been quite a while now. So that was kind of the moment where I thought maybe I could give it a go, you know, um, because it's, it's such a precarious um, situation. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But I don't think anything else gives me the same amount of satisfaction and joy that doing this does. We've spoken to a few other actors on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and we've heard some very interesting and different audition stories. Mm-hmm. How did you um, get involved in Miss Scarlet and the Duke and what was your audition experience like? OK, so I was in New York at the time with my um, with my partner. And so the thing, you know, I had to do a self tape, you know, the way these days. So a lot of the time it's not in person anymore. You do self tapes and you send them in and sort of cross your fingers. And so I thought, oh, Lord, I have to do this by X time. Oh, where, where are we going to? So he was standing on the bed in the hotel and I was standing in front of the window with the curtains drawn. And he had the phone in one hand and the script in the other hand. And he was feeding me my lines and I was trying to do my best impersonation, you know. So that's how I did my audition. <laughs> Were you thinking of like Queen Victoria as a (laughs) (laughs) inspiration? No, it was just hysterical. Um, And and sometimes I think when you're in strange situations, it just turns out better. Do you know what I mean? So you're not so worried and thinking about it. You're just going, oh, you know, so um, so that was that was it. Yeah, it was great fun. Did you have to wait a long time to find out that you got the part? I'm trying to work that out, actually. Oh, a little bit of time. I don't think it was a very long time. I think it was, I, I'm trying to remember when I was there and when, when we, like, I think we, we started filming in August, I think. And so that would have been maybe, yeah, June or May or June or something. So, you know, it wasn't too long, but I would have known obviously before then, you know, but um, yeah, so it wasn't too long, I don't think. So um, we all know that Miss Parker is one hell of a character and um what was it that you liked about the character or what you what do you in well i she's incredibly bombastic she doesn't take you know fools gladly I, i think she's a really interesting woman because of her position in society and because she's given the most glorious things to say and she just has the most brilliant put downs you know i mean it's fabulous um, and of course, the costumes were extraordinary. So all, uh, almost all I had to do was turn up and, <laughs> and sort of stand there, and everyone going, "Whoa!" You know. So, um, but it 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 it's just really great fun to play her. And so there's lots of things I love about it. Um, and because you're given such great ammunition, you know, it's it's sometimes it, it's a huge help and not a difficult thing to play her because she's very well rounded on the page. So the Scarleteers have many questions about Mrs. Parker, like the how did Rupert's father die? What was Mrs. Parker doing in her life? How long has she been in mourning? So did you have any backstory or did you come up with backstories about Mrs. Parker's life prior to the show? How did you do that? So I wasn't given any any other information about her except what's on the page. And sometimes that's the way things are, if you know what I mean. So I had a few ideas in my head. And in season two, a spoiler alert, not really spoiler alert, you do get a little bit more information about her background. 
Okay. So, yes. So that's that's that was really interesting for me. Um, so I always thought she was a widow, even though she was wearing kind of movie things and black things. But I, I did think that perhaps her husband had been dead for quite a while, you know. Um, and uh, and it there's a couple, you know, there's a couple of things you sort of make make up stories in your head about, well, now, how did she get to this position? And how come she's owning seven buildings in the same road? And does she own anything else? And, you know, where did she come from? All of these kinds of things kind of come into your head. And I think she is of a certain class, a certain standing, even though she's a, she's a woman of property, but she's not, she's not a, a middle class woman of property, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I think she has a certain air of, of something about her. Um, so I think she probably came in with some money of her own, as well as her husband's money. And, um, and she probably inherited a lot of things. And that's probably where the fortune came from. And she's probably been quite clever at um, continuing its, its fortunes, I suppose. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so as Scarlet is, we absolutely love the entire world of, of Eliza's world and, and Victorian London and everything. What would be your favourite non-Mrs. Parker thing about the world of Eliza Scarlet? Oh, well, I love um, I love the way that the show is pretty much character driven. So although there are lots of gorgeous stories and the stories are amazing and you get sucked into all of these extraordinary things and themes and people and everything. But essentially, there's characters driving those stories all the time. So you're not driven by the story, you're driven by the characters within them. And I think that's terrific um, because uh, and there are incredibly strong women in this series, which is amazing. Um, and, I mean, not least, of course, Kate and, you know, Kathy and everything. But it's just it's just brilliant to see that on a screen because, you know, you know what they say, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And mm-hmm. and I think for a lot of of, you know, young actors looking at uh, they're going, wow, those are really good parts. I'd love to be in something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's really brilliant to see. And um, so, yeah, I, I love I love the, the way it's character driven. I love the um, the intimate scenes and I love the huge kind of panorama of London. You can sort of smell it, you know, and I think that's brilliant because it really brings you into that place and that time. You know exactly where you are. Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the, my favorite things about the show, that it's so character driven and yeah. that all the characters are so fleshed out. and. Yes. Um, even the ones like yourself or Tilly, for example, they are, I mean, Tilly doesn't have any lines in the first two episodes that she <laughs> yes. appears, but yeah. you're still so drawn to her and think like, yeah. oh my God, who is that? I want to yeah. know more about her. And that's something I absolutely love about the show. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen, I think we when we talked last year in, uh, during that video chat, we already said that Mrs. Parker and Eliza are actually quite similar in Mm -hmm. certain ways because they're both uh, working women in a time where that wasn't quite usual for women. Parker clearly operates as a businesswoman um, with her properties and so on, but she disapproves of Eliza working. Mm -hmm. Do you think there could be a moment where Mrs. Parker understands Eliza's need to work and, and maybe approves of her? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think what she disapproves of is the type of work Eliza does. Oh. So I think she's worried about the fact that she might be, you know, sort of um, hanging around with undesirable types, really. And so I think that's basically I mean, I, I don't think she has a problem with her working as such, because I think she'd probably understand 
that not everyone has, you know, is able to to sort of you know, not work, as it were, and needs to earn money from somewhere. But I think I think essentially it's just that um, that Eliza tends to end up, you know, investigating. Well, not that she knows everything that she does, but, you know, from her very, you know, one of the first times you meet Mrs. Parker is when herself and Rupert are with Eliza having tea and the eyeball falls out of Eliza's sleeve, <laughs> you know. So you're kind of going, right. Uh, so, you know what I mean? So I, I think she just believes her to be involved with all sorts of, you know, salacious individuals and it could be rather tricky. So she's just a bit worried about that, I think. But mm-hmm. I'm sure she would understand um, her need to work and her reason for working um, even if she doesn't quite get the actual you know, location and, and type of work that she does. So we've asked past guests what song or what kind of music would describe their character or mm-hmm. did they ever listen to a song to get them in the mood or to pump up for their character when they were yeah. acting? Do you have a certain song that would describe Mrs. Parker to you? Well, I've never listened to music to get into character, um, although that's quite an interesting thing to do. Um, But I have been thinking about what sort of songs might sort of, you know, I think because of the time she's living in, I think she might be quite fond of Wagner, you know, Mm. the ring cycle or something. But I actually think one of the songs that would probably describe her best is a song by Stephen Sondheim called I'm Still Here from Follies. Mm. And it's like, you know, she's been through all sorts of things, but I'm here. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) She's very much, I think she's she's quite determined individual and the fact that she brought up her son on her own and that kind of thing, you know, I think, um, and and she's managed to maintain um, her her wealth, which isn't always that easy. So I think, I think she's quite determined and uh, despite being bombastic and a bit um, officious and things, I think, um, I think that might, that might cover her. Did have to add that one to the playlist. Yeah, yeah, that needs (laughs) to go on the playlist. (laughs) so one of the best things i think about mrs parker is definitely her outfit her costume and her bonnet and and that must have really helped you um get into the character of mrs parker how long did it take to get into that costume and was it comfortable uh well um so there are two underskirts there's a corset and the costumes themselves come in two pieces, if you know what I mean. So there's a skirt and a top, as it were, that are separate from each other. And they have quite a lot of difficult sort of hooks and eyes going in opposite directions. Um, so it takes a long time. Um, so they, one of the underskirts has kind of got a strange sort of um, ribbon-like lace effect on one side. And, it, and and of course, there are the bustles as well. So you've got bustles in the underskirts, you know, to kind of make it put... I mean, I have... I have quite a lot of bustles myself in fairness. <laughs> um, there are additional bustles which kind of add a bit of excitement to it and the puffy sleeves and everything. Now, in season two, it's slightly less dramatic, but it's still fairly impressive. Um, and I still have all the underskirts and the corset is hysterical. So I would say that, no, the corset is not that comfortable to wear, um, but you do get used to it after a while. And it does um, it does improve your posture no end. So you 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 sit up straight and you stand up straight and it's quite fabulous, you know, in that sense. But if you sit down quickly, you'll know all about it. Um, <laughs> um, no. So. Uh, so, yes, to answer your question in more detail, in the, uh, yeah. it, it, it takes a while. You know, I mean, you, we were given about I mean, it took about 
an hour for hair and makeup and about half an hour to get into it, into the costume. Oh, wow. And that's the time you were given, but you had help, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I couldn't do it myself. Um, I could do some things possibly, but honestly, you know, when you have the corset on, you can't hardly, you can't put your shoes on. So you have to put your shoes on before you put the corset on. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. you have to, if you have socks or, or, you know, sort of tights or anything, you have to put them on beforehand. Otherwise you're not going wow. to be bending down. I can well understand how women might have just fainted constantly because, oh, wow. you know, well, certainly if if it's pulled really tight, you know, there's not a chance of breathing at all. Mm. Your breathing becomes incredibly shallow, you know, so it's quite interesting. Yeah. Is that difficult if you've got like long lines to say, to be able to take a breath to, to yeah. say them? Yes, it can be. I mean, now they're not going to pull the thing so tight that you're going to fall <laughs> over. You know? um, but, but it has to, well, but, but of course, interestingly, when you get measured, you see, it's kind of hysterical because you're they're going, OK, we're just going to measure you now. And so everyone takes a breath. But you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what happens is the corset has to be pulled to fit that measurement. And so because otherwise the dress won't fit over you, you know what I mean? So it's just hysterical. And of course, you learn the hard way. But um, yeah, so sometimes it can be tricky, but you, it's just it's just a kind of um, getting into that sort of flow of things and knowing how to use that breath when. You, you know, when you're when you've got something longer to say or whatever. And um, and I do have beautiful things to say. Thanks to dear Rachel. So um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, it's actually it's actually grand and it helps enormously. You know, I mean, once you put the thing on, you look in the mirror and you go, there she is, you know, so it's lovely. I can imagine I, like a little twinkle in your eye. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, the amount of care that everyone in series one and series two went to in terms of creating costumes and hair and makeup it's just extraordinary that the the crew on the show are are amazing and um so dedicated and so fabulous and so lovely and it really makes a huge difference to us and you know when when we have those people around us um then we can't really put a foot wrong i have to squeeze in one important question mm-hmm. does the dress have pockets <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question isabel <laughs> Um, I ask for pockets. Um, so I do have a pocket. Um, nice. Yeah. Of course, I have a little bag usually, you know, that I can put things in. Mm. But I did ask for a pocket because it's quite handy if you want a little tissue or something, yeah. um, you know, or, you know, to whip out your small arm. But I, I don't have, a, I don't have a <laughs> my own. No. But uh, yeah. Not as fabulous as as Kate's pockets, in fairness, but, you know, still, I have a little um, (laughs) secret one. Yeah. You think Mrs. Park will ever come out of the the widow's outfits? Will we see her? Yeah, good question. I mean, I'd quite like to see her in another (laughs) colour. I mean, now, one of the one of the costumes she had was a sort of burgundy, which is very nice. But um, but she's mostly I suppose. I suppose it depends, you know, when you get to a certain age in, in Victorian London, you were expected to wear certain colours, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, and, and it kind of depends. But um, you never know. Fingers crossed. So if you could be any other character on the show, who would you want to be? Hmm. This is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I think I'd like to be somebody like Moses. Oh, Ooh, we like Moses. Oh, we <laughs> love think- Moses. You know, because I think he gets in really interesting situations (laughs) and, you know, and you never know when he's going to turn up and he sort of just, you know, twists around the doors and things. And you're going, ooh, now, you know, and he seems to be incredibly capable and knows lots of things. And, um, 
you know, has has had to, you know, help himself to exist in many different and strange kind of places. So that might be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, of yeah. course you do because you're <laughs> you're I'm our Moses fan girl Moses as well. <laughs> well as the actor, but. <laughs> So Amanda is our Moses fangirl, and I, I think everybody knows whose fangirl I am. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question, I apologize, but it's kind of inevitable. <laughs> what was it like working with Andrew Gower? It was appalling as well. He's a dreadful. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> no, no, he's a lovely, lovely man. And it, it was great fun. And I'm only sorry that we didn't have that more time, you know, together, because I think more Rupert and Mrs. Parker scenes would have been fun. Um, but no, we had we had great time and um, he's very funny and he's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that Mrs. Parker knows about Rupert's sexuality? Yes, I do. Um, I think if she doesn't know implicitly, she kind of knows subliminally. Mm. And, you know, I think that's kind of one of the reasons she wants to marry him off. Mm. Because I think she wants him to be safe because of course he could be he could be imprisoned. Yeah. Um and it, you know, it was it was quite a tricky time to be gay at that particular time. And so I think, yeah, I think she does and I think, I mean, you know, despite her bombosity and everything, I think she I think she's intrinsically quite a kind person and I think she's quite thoughtful and I think she cares about other people. And certainly her son is probably the most important person in her life. And she would want to protect him and she would want to take care of him, even though he might not think that himself, if you know what I mean. So, um, you know, like he he speaks about her and, you know, being afraid of various things and all the rest of it. But um, I think I think she does. Yeah. I think um, that's a really beautiful thing about their relationship that you can see that they really love each other. I mean, you think they wouldn't get along, but you mm. you there are moments that you you just see that they they really love each other for example when rupert uh says that he doesn't want his mother to know about his sexuality mm. and that he's afraid that like he says something um if they sent me to prison i wouldn't care but i don't want my mother to know because yeah. that would absolutely destroy her yeah and i think that's just really beautiful and and um speaks for their relationship yeah you know i mean she does have a certain standing and he's very aware of that And he sort of knows what would crush it and he doesn't want to crush her, which is actually quite beautiful. And I think she really cares about him. And that's why she wants him to be secure and safe and happy in as much as she can help him to do that, you know. Mm. So continuing on this theme, um, in episode four, Rupert has got a newspaper for Eliza to read and and, um, he seems very concerned about Mrs. Parker finding out about the fact that he's invested in Eliza's agency. What do you think her opinion would be that he's done that? Do you think she would be uh, not particularly happy or would it be a good investment for him? Well, I think, I I mean, I think she's got a, you know, a strong nose for business Mm -hmm. because she's managed to maintain all of this um, kind of property empire and all the rest of it. I, I think she might be concerned about the type of business he's investing in and whether it would have a return on its money. And obviously she's a bit annoyed with Miss Scarlet for turning him down in the first place. Um, but um, I, I think I think if it had a good return, she wouldn't mind, you know, 
Mm. I think I think just because of past sort of history, recent history with Miss Scarlett and and Rupert, that she might have a, a an issue. Um, but I think he could probably talk her round. Do you think if she had have accepted his proposal, it would have been worse that she would because he probably would have let her run her agency in the background? Yeah, yeah. No, I, you see, I think although I, you see, I think Mrs. Parker wants Rupert to have a strong woman because. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she thinks he needs a bit of a firm hand without <laughs> control. So, um, and but she, but I, I think she's sort of coming to realise that maybe Miss Scarlett was entirely the wrong sort of firm hand. <laughs> so, um, so this is probably very fortuitous that it never happened at all. You know, so yeah. Speaking of firm-handed women, mm-hmm. do you think Mrs. Parker would have liked Tilly? And what do you think? What would she have thought if Rupert would have accepted her proposal? Um, I th- I think she would have liked Tilly actually, because she's quite she. I mean, she's a bit of a she's a bit of a tiger, you know. <laughs> and, I was going with dark horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when she comes and says, "What are you doing with my fiance and all the rest of it?" You can blimey, what's this woman going to come out with next? She's almost sort of like a coiled spring, you know. Um, but so I I think she would like her determination and her her need to protect, you know, what she considers her own property and that kind of thing. Um, so I think she might, I think she might very well get on quite well with her, although she might struggle to understand what she was saying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think she would, yeah. Us Germans in our lovely accent. <laughs> beautiful accent, Isabel. Nothing wrong with her. Your accent is gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, so no spoilers for season two, mm-hmm. but if Mrs. Parker could get involved in a case and maybe go and investigate with Eliza, <laughs> what kind of case do you think she would she would investigate with her? Oh, well, I think it would have to be something where she would sort of fit in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't see her in some sort of, you know, brothel situation. <laughs> um, but, but, but perhaps some sort of, I don't know, um, elegant fraud or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or some sort of money issue, or uh, I don't know, possibly impersonation. Something, you know, that maybe she could sort of fit into the society and find out things that Eliza may not be able to, or something. You know. I think mm. on the video call we mentioned an opium den with Mrs. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, they were terribly prevalent at the time. Um, and, um, yes, I, I can imagine Rupert in an opium den, no problem. Um, <laughs> on the basis that she's trying to look for her son, possibly, you know. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> there we go. She can go investigate the opium den looking for Rupert. That's brilliant. Perfect. Excuse me, I'm just looking for my child. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, okay. So, um, Lindsay has written down most of the questions. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Okay, <laughs> and she wrote that we were pleasantly surprised to see Mrs. Parker in the season two trailer. I mean, speaking for myself, that's like the understatement of the century. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mime just... now. <laughs> this is my shocked face. <laughs> yes, that's very good. <laughs> I, I saw you in the trailer and I just gasped up out loud. And then I realized that Mrs. Parker was gasping at the same time as me. And then I just laughed and, and yeah, 
did a little happy dance. I think so. he instantly messaged me going, did you see Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Kept that one quiet. <laughs> so I was super happy to see you back. And it was completely unexpected. And um, again, without giving away any spoilers Mm -hmm. did you enjoy your time filming in Belgrade oh yes I did I mean Belgrade is beautiful um I'd never been to Serbia before and it it's really lovely it's a mixture of sort of older buildings and newer buildings and there's I mean we were there I was there first I think in September and then later in October and um it was very warm and it was the people are really friendly and really lovely and there's you know lots of nice places to walk around and the food is lovely it was really it was really very pleasant um and the crew were gorgeous and we crossed the Danube every day to go to work which is just beautiful you know because that's uh, certainly a, a river and um, <laughs> so it it was lovely and coming back in the evening time when the sun is setting you know it was just beautiful um, so it was really lovely. And actually, the interesting thing about being away filming, of course, the last time we did this, it was in Dublin, which is my home city. And so uh, neither I nor Kathy really um, got to hang out with the, with the cast very much. But this time we were all in the same hotel, pretty much. Um, a lot of us were anyway. So we could have breakfast together and, you know, we could maybe go out for dinner in the evenings and stuff. And that was lovely because you got to know people a little bit better. And um, and it was it was great fun. I think that was one of Rachel's favorite things was having breakfast. Yeah, it was lovely, you know, um, because, well, you didn't, you know, sometimes you didn't know who you were going to meet or whatever. But and sometimes you met, you know, different people who were in different episodes to you. But you were sort of hanging out and getting to know people. And it was just really lovely and very convivial. And, and, you know, yeah, it was it was a gorgeous time. I have to say I really enjoyed it. So what was it like coming back for season two and slipping back into Mrs. Barker's Mrs. Parker's bonnet. <laughs> she That's gets hard a new to say. Mrs. <laughs> Parker's bonnet. <laughs> she gets a new bonnet. Oh, um, spoiler! <laughs> I don't really think that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and it's a lovely bonnet. It's slightly less ostentatious, but it's still pretty impressive. And her hair is slightly less ostentatious, but still pretty impressive. And um, so, yeah, it was great. Now, of course. I got off the plane, well, planes, and uh, was immediately whisked into wardrobe to sort of try bits and pieces on in blistering heat. So you're kind of going, <laughs> okay, this is fun, um, but uh, but it was lovely, and it was it's it was really gorgeous just to play her again because she's a wonderful character, and I enjoy her enormously, um, and it was great. Yeah, it was really lovely, and we enjoy watching you playing Thank her. You. So I'm very glad. Thank you. Definitely. We are very excited to see what is going to be in store for Mrs. Parker. <laughs> and saying that, we it's not a spoiler alert that, that Rupert is not back for season two. Yes. Um, how is Mrs. Parker coping without Rupert? And uh, is she blaming Eliza at all? No. Well, it's it's not. She doesn't mention it. Mrs. Parker doesn't mention okay. it. So um, it's mentioned by other people. and. Um, so you sort of discover where he is, you know, at the beginning of the first episode. But but it's not mentioned by Mrs. Parker. Well, it's sort of a little bit, but nothing, you know, massively. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to remember now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a while ago. Yes, it is a while ago. Um, uh, I think she, you know, she she makes a slight reference to it. Do you know the way when she's always when she 
when she speaks to Miss Scarlett, it always starts off well and ends up in a disaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so she, I'm sure she does blame her, frankly, because um, and and I think she, I think she actually does say. Yeah, I think she does say something about it. This is dreadful now. I can't remember my lines, but it was some time ago. Um, um, but yeah, so so it is mentioned a little bit. Um, but I do. I think she probably misses him dreadfully. You know, like despite their sort of you know seemingly awkward kind of relationship, I think she's mad about him. And um, as long as he's happy, she's happy. But I think she'd prefer if he was happy in the next room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So yeah, she does. We miss him too. Well, I do. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> we also really loved the Christmas messages that um, some of the cast did, and you did one as well. That one had me a little bit suspicious because everybody else was cast members that we knew would come back. Yeah, I was like, "Why is Helen there? Why is <laughs> Helen doing mm-hmm. Christmas message?" But I thought, well, maybe. But I don't know who Rachel asked to do Christmas messages. Yeah. So I thought, well, Helen is just so sweet. So she Thank did one. <laughs> and during your Christmas message, you mm-hmm. so effortlessly slipped between yourself and Mrs. Parker. Mm-hmm. And we were wondering if it is easy to get into Mrs. Parker's character and accent. Well, I've always loved accents because that's a, that was an odd way of saying loved. But anyway... <laughs> I, I, I've always loved accents. I think they really help you get into another person's skin, to be honest. And so, um, and I love the musicality of them um, because I think, you know, people speak sometimes depending on the, on the, almost depending on the landscape they come from in a way. And um, so I think, yeah, I think Mrs. Mrs. Parker's accent very much defines her. And I think it it's a huge help to me to get into her using the accent, to be honest. Like the first thing, if I was if I was creating a character, the first thing I would try and do is get the walk and the accent. And then I sort of feel like I have them, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly, yeah, Mrs. Parker is very clipped and she's very, you know, ostentatious and a bit bombastic and a bit sort of round. And mm-hmm. um, and that's what I love about her. Yeah. So um, I, I, I love doing it and, and it's um, it helps me enormously. So we always kind of end the podcast with some fan questions. As, uh, as Isabel said, some of them are starting to cotton on to our little uh, uh, game of are we going to be able to talk to people or is it going to be us talking? But Yeah. So uh, here's some fan questions. The first one is from Diana Miller and she asks, how do you think Mrs. Parker gained her money and property empire? Do you think it was from her family, from her husband's family or just a mixture of, of what they've managed to accumulate through their marriage. Um, hello, Diana. Well, um, I think it was probably a bit of both. I think she probably came from quite a moneyed background herself and brought some with her. And I think her husband was quite moneyed as well. And so, you know, although he may have made the purchases because it's quite tricky for a woman to purchase um, property, certainly, that I, think there, I think there was a pair of them in it, as we might say over here. And so I think between the pair of them, they managed to kind of um, amass this fortune. Nice. Mm. That answers her question. Mm. Okay. Heather Ward-McDonald asks, how do you think Mrs. Parker has remained in a position of power with funds slash landlady ability after her husband died? Mm-hmm. Does she truly believe Rupert is incapable? <laughs> um, hi, Heather. Um, so 
See, I think it's easier for a woman at this particular time, if she is a widow, to maintain her wealth. Because the minute she gets married, her wealth goes to her husband. So I think in that respect, I think that's that's one of the reasons why she's managed to maintain it. But also I think she's quite clever. And I think, you know, whoever she has helping her to kind of um, continue the fortune along its way or the investments that she's made or um, whatever, I think she's been quite clever in, in, in how she addresses that. I think she has a good business head on her shoulders and she is quite sharp. I mean, obviously, you know, when she realized that um, Henry hadn't hadn't paid the, you know, or hadn't kind of maintained the lease, she was on it like a shot. So um I think she I think she's quite clever about that. I, I don't think she completely believes Rupert is incapable, but I think she'd prefer to have the power. So, you know, I, I think she believes he is capable, but she's kind of almost afraid of what he might do with the money, do you know? And of course he is now in control of a lot of it because he's inherited a lot himself. So it's a mixture of things. You know, she doesn't want to necessarily give up everything, but neither does she want him to be foolish with it. It does mm-hmm. remind me a little bit of uh, the relationship Queen Victoria had with her eldest son. Yeah, Bertie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Because he was a bit all over the place. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And they had a kind of a, a you know, difficult, a difficult relationship. Yeah. And she always thought that he was like, not as good as he could have been. Yes. Yes. Um. And, and of course, there's huge, I mean, there's huge pressure on a child to, you know, to live up to the the standards that their parents want them to maintain, particularly in a Victorian society when everything is so straight laced to a certain extent. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Rupert to try and do all of these things. You know what I mean? That's one of the problems that he probably had was that, oh, Lord, what will mother want me to do with this? Or what am I supposed to, what am I expected to do? Do you know, it's quite tricky. So I think there's a lot of pressure kind of put on by society and by familial responsibility and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's hard, particularly if you're an only child. Yeah. You know. So Trina asks, uh, what other projects have you been doing between season one, season two now? Is there anything you can share with the group? Sure. Well, Trina, we had this thing called the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> really yes, I <laughs> it was it was a bit difficult for the likes of me um but when i was when i was um filming the first season i was doing a show in the abbey theater in dublin which is the national theater and then i did just after it another show with druid theater company that was cherry orchard um uh, Chekhov's cherry orchard and we were about to bring that to the edinburgh theater festival and to a larger theatre in Dublin. And of course, the pandemic hit and that was the end of that. But but I have done, a you know, a couple of things. I was in, hopefully I'm still in it. God knows, I don't know. Um, I, I did a little bit in Disenchanted, the um, the Disney movie. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, so that was last year. That was fun. Uh, it was great fun. And I had, a, I had a tiny bit with Amy Adams, who was an absolute joy. So that was lovely. And um, I've done a couple of things about Ulysses recently because this is the, 100th anniversary of the book Ulysses by James Joyce and so we've I've done kind of a radio play based on a a court case which happened in 1933 in in the United States of America it's called um US the USA versus the book Ulysses where they took the book to court to see was it obscene mm. um, 
um, mm. the book the book one so uh, <laughs> it's, still, it's still available oh, good. Um, but but it's but it's it, that was that was a lot of fun so just bits and pieces and lots of workshops for plays that may or may not happen and various things you know so um, we're kind of coming out the other end now which is good and there are lots of things happening which is great so we have one more fan question which is a bit of an exception usually we only accept um, fan questions from scholarteers yes. um, the next one isn't a scholarteer yet <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it <laughs> but she's one of my best friends and <laughs> she's she's a huge fan of Eva Green oh yeah like in preparing for this podcast, we realized that you've worked with Eva Green before on Penny Dreadful and Cracks. Mm-hmm. And Martina, my friend, is just dying to know how it's working with Eva Green. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then as yeah. a follow-up question, um, I mean, Penny Dreadful is also set in Victorian times, mm-hmm. but it's so different from Miss Scarlet. So how, how was it working on these both shows? Sure. Um, so Eva Green, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know her that well, but we did have a bit more to do with each other in Cracks um, because I played sort of the, the school kind of matron. And so um, but she was she's she's lovely. She's a bit of a devil, but she's lovely <laughs> um, and, 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 and incredibly beautiful. I, mean, I remember the first time she came, she turned her first scene was in a in a church and we were all singing all creatures great and small or something. And she walked in and everybody nearly sort of died because she looked so amazing Mm -hmm. and was so beautiful and just walked down. Everyone went, oh, dear, there we go now. That's the end of that. Um, But she's a she's a lovely woman and a very talented actress and was really lovely to work with. So tell your friend, Martina, she's lovely. Um, And the the Penny Dreadful situation. Yes, because I suppose it was kind of more of a horror genre. um, It was a very different sort of feeling. Um, and there was a lot more sort of, how, how would I describe it? It, it? And I was only in it for a very tiny moment, you know, so it's quite difficult to tell. But um, it, there was just a different sharpness to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, this particular series is, uh, is, is a very different feeling to it. It's, uh, they're very, but because you kind of didn't know if a vampire was going to kind of turn around a corner any, at any moment. It was just a different feeling, you know, and I certainly um, I mean, it, it was a bit of fun, but I enjoy this much more. Yeah, no, no vampires in this. Scarlet. No vampires. No, no. <laughs> yes. Although there may be people that are going to yes. jump out at you. Yeah. Oh, well, there may be people. Indeed, there may be people, but hopefully there won't be werewolves and things. You know. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> well, yes. oh gosh. Okay, yes. There may be a season three or season four <laughs> storyline that Rachel yeah. hasn't written yet. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> Can you see Moses taking on a vampire? I mean... you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> that I is a storyline no I want yes. to see. <laughs> I've started a trend now. This is dreadful. <laughs> Hashtag Moses versus a vampire. <laughs> We'll just uh, make it, we'll just put that idea into Rachel's head. So, <laughs> there. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell Martina all of this. I'm going to force her to listen to this podcast. Yes, yeah, please. <laughs> well, the poor woman has to wait till the very end. Okay. <laughs> That's how we get them to listen yeah, to the yeah. whole thing. We put them at questions at the end. So, hi, Martina. <laughs> hi, Martina. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 
unfortunately, um, we've come to the end of the podcast. I could talk with you forever for the next <laughs> few hours. Oh, um, and who knows? Maybe we'll have a chance to talk again in the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, once once season two airs, we would love to chat again. Oh, always. Yeah, my pleasure. We have come to the part where we do our usual ad break because you can find Scarlet Tears on various social media. We are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Just search for at Scarlet Tears and you will find us. And we also have a website with all kinds of information, links to all the podcast um, episodes, links to all the cast members, information about the characters, Victorian times, anything you want to know, you'll find there. And the website address is scarleteers.wordpress.com. One-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Helen, for joining us tonight. You're very welcome. Thank Absolutely. you, Helen. Thank you for asking. No, my pleasure. Thank you. And we so much look forward to seeing Mrs. Parker again in season two. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0, license HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.